three-letter word, wow. I love, give God a hand of praise. Thank you, Terry, choir, our soloist, to bring that worshipful, worshipful psalm to us. We can enjoy and hear what God's doing through the giftedness of people. A whole bunch of you on the psalmicast right now are watching the waves roll in. A whole lot of our folks, we have a a group, uh, 61 of our young adults, I believe, on retreat. Their way, we'll miss them in here today. But we have for you today water fountains. Not the same as the ocean, but it's something, right? We've got to do something with that. But we have a blessing for you today from God's Word. Thank you for being here. Some of the folks went to the mountains and decided, ah, maybe that storm's coming this way. We have some folks that went there. But you are here. If you're watching on our simulcast at the coast, mountains, or some right here and some of our assisted living and nursing homes, we're blessed to have you. We have a word today about Elijah as I try and get some of this uh, outline here in place. There we go. We've got it. Today we're looking at Elijah as we think about what happened in the day and time that he lived. It was a time of evil. Everyone was running after false gods. There was a prevalence of evil, all kinds of immorality. No one was standing up. It wasn't comfortable to stand up. It wasn't those times where you would say, well, you know, this is convenient. But Elijah goes, one person, one man and his God to make a difference. 7,000 were hiding in a cave. We're Jehovah worshipers. But Elijah alone goes, confronts Ahab, the worst king. Out of all the kings before him, he was the eighth king of Israel. Then God tells him to go hide. He goes and hides by the brook Kareth which we showed on a map. God says, I'm going to feed you there with ravens. And he had this experience there where ravens bring him food in the morning, food at night, before Domino's or anyone else was delivering pizza. He had the the, uh, most uh, creative caterers in the world bringing him food, and he had water from the brook. Let's see what happens as he's there. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 and 9, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. And so we left last week with the brook drying up. Some people would be thinking along the line, Now what? The brook's drying up. But in essence, it was an answer to prayer. Sometimes the brooks of life dry up to lead us to another place. Some of you are in that place where you see the brook drying up. God has another place for you. Keep your eyes open. Continue to believe in him. I say that having said this statement last hour repeatedly through the message. And it is this. What have you done to stand in the way of the lostness and ungodliness of this world? I follow it with this. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Well, Elijah teaches us a lot about the story of life. As we think about what's happening at this particular time, we see the brook had dried up. It's another reminder that Elijah is to be completely dependent upon God. You need water. It dries up. You're probably kneeling down, getting that last handful of water, and that's it. It's over. Now where do I go? God says, I want you to move. And many times, disasters, or even natural disasters, but any kind of disaster, 
can make us aware of the things that we can take for granted. Sometimes even growing up in a home where you have a roof over your head, young people, there's food in the refrigerator in the pantry, you get driven to a place, you can, wow, take it for granted. But many times, some of the things even happening now, and ironically, there's a storm out there now, Dory, and they just said, I think it's moved to a Category 5 storm. Some people's lives are going to be disrupted, aren't they? Hmm? When you think about something like that, I want you to see something now. This, this was prepared well before the storm was out there. If you bring up the thank you. This is a couple of years ago. I was in Big Pine Key with disaster relief with Baptist men. This is where homes were. This is where they were. They were washed in that surge into the middle of the ocean. I remember just standing here and looking at this. Some, there were some papers out there, people's old bills and stuff just scattered around. The houses swept into the sea, never to be found again. I remember going up not far from this location where we had a site set up. We had big tents and we had ice, we had food, we had big cases of water and people. And they let us back on this island before the, before the residents were let back in because we were disaster relief. I remember some of the people coming back when they let them come in and stopping a short way from here and saying, we're here, we're back here to see our home. We're back here to see what happened. We're here to assess damage. And those kinds of statements. They'd say, we just live on such and such a street. I've got some pictures of the, of the signs that were bent over. And I knew what street it was on. Thinking to myself, there, there is no home there. It swept away. All of your photos and your mementos and everything you kept, gone. Sometimes these things, when you see people just looking for some ice, because there's no power, looking for a place to sit down, because there's not even a place to sit down where you can sit on a pier or something. It's amazing, isn't it? The things just today we took for granted. Got out of a bed, it's climate controlled, probably you had breakfast, probably. Three donuts, a cup of coffee, whatever you had for breakfast. Balanced meal, a biscuit in each hand, Barry, that's always a good thing. We can take some things for granted, can't we? And part of the irony is, and I took this photo right adjoining this. Bring up that next slide. <laughs> hmm? How's that, for, how's that for real change? You see the, the water right there? How's that? Here's what we're going to put here. It's the story of life, isn't it? Don't take things for granted. Every day, if you woke up today, put your feet on the ground, your vertical self-propelled and had the luxuries of having water and food, the presence of God, his word to read and family. Thank God for that. If you're married, thank God for your spouse. Always your last words you say, always be a blessing. Be kind, be blessed. Just last week, a man sitting in this worship center, our church treasurer, I call that, so where's our church treasurer? Didn't know that Tuesday, right at lunchtime, he was going to have a stroke. I am, let's have lunch. He did. Said that. But... That day, he'd be in the ambulance going to the hospital. I'd like to pause for a minute just to pray for Barry. His, his recovery thus far is miraculous, but we're going to pray for him today. 
because he served as our treasurer, I believe, about 17 or 18 years. This was rotating out, and Forrest Tilly's rotating into that. And I told him when I saw him in his room, I said, you're not getting out of serving the rest of this year. Not doing that. And we had some good times laughing. Would you bow as we pray for Barry Hardest this morning? Lord God, we thank you that God, as bad a stroke as that was, we know miraculous things have happened. It's nothing short of a miracle that you have brought about some of this recovery way faster and more thorough already than what was initially thought of. And we know it's your power, and we thank you, God. Continue to bless that family. Be with Barry. I pray, God, he becomes the poster child for recovery, God. And we thank you that you're working in a mighty way in his life, and you've heard the prayers of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for doing that. I just pointed out just to say that's how quickly it changes. Can we have lunch? Yes. Five minutes later, boom. Not to be morbid, it's the story of life. Storms come, but they can point us in the right direction. The bottom line is we be thankful every day for God's new mercies. If you received God's mercy today and you have, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, even if you're not, you still received his mercy, you're just not appreciative for it. Look what it says in Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fail. They are new every morning. That's why we ought to thank him every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I ought to write a song about that. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. You see, what a blessing it is. Elijah was waiting on God, those new mercies every morning. He was waiting to see those birds in the horizon, those ravens flying toward him with food. I wonder what we have today. Oh, great, a quarter pounder with some fries, right? Whatever he's having that day. What a blessing that is. We need to be thankful every day for the blessings God has given us. Now, when we look and see what arises from these questions, he tells them to go and go to Zarephath. A thousand questions arrive. Thank God we've learned enough about God so far to not question God. Right? What questions could arise as God says, the brook's dried up. I want you to go to Zarephath. Zarephath is in Phoenicia. And, well, could have said, you know, God, can't the same power you sent these caterers, these ravens to feed me, can't you make the brook flow with water or make a little water fountain here or a little stream come on up? Why do I have to move? Ever ask, why do I have to move? Why? God is always teaching us new things. And perhaps some of you are in a place right now where your brook is drying up and God's going to move you to another place. And sometimes that next place seems very unlikely. But I want you to see something here. He tells him to go to Zarephath of Sidon. By the way, Jezebel is from this place. Her father, Ethbaal, is the king of Tyre and Sidon. How do you like that? You think that, wait a minute, God, do I, would you say that name again? Because why not go back to Israel rather than Phoenicia, the idolatrous home of Jezebel? Why are you sending me there? None of us ever say why, do we? I submit to you again. What have you done to stand in the way of lostness, idolatry? Do you believe in God? Now, as we go further, I want you to see some things. 
It says in Isaiah 55, 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts, and your thoughts. I think everyone who has a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ should memorize that. Look at it. Because there's times we can get tempted to question God. Why is this happening? Why did this class get canceled? Why didn't this person have the same attraction for me I had for them? Why is this happening in my job, my life, with my family, with my kids, with my friends, in my neighborhood, with my house, with my finances? We can have a million different questions. With my health. God's ways are higher than our ways. Of course they are. Anyone here think, okay, let's send Elijah over there. We'll feed him with ravens. No. I know I wouldn't. You weren't either. God thought it. His ways are higher. And it's not that God couldn't have made food just appear. There was building a dependency that Elijah would have every single day. Will God be faithful with his new mercies in the morning to bring me my food? And he did. Would he be faithful this night to bring those birds or will they just forget? No. God said, I commanded them and the birds listen. Unlike human beings. Mark 8.35. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. There's people trying to save their life every single day. Let me save it from the ridicule of my friends. I won't say much. Let me save it from family, alienation. Let me save it from what? The million things we can say from embarrassment, from turmoil. Let me save it. Let me seize it so I can have my life the way I want it. But Jesus says this, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. You can save your life for lots of things, friends. Lots of things. You can save yourself from embarrassment, from witness, from being vulnerable and stepping out. You can save it from all that. You can keep your mouth shut. You cannot go ahead and step into place where God may want you to step. But it's you and I that miss the blessings when we do. Because by trying to save our life from embarrassment, from ridicule, from alienation, from friendships, and all the other things, you lose it. Because you become someone that invested in the wrong thing. What have you done to stand in the way, dot, dot, dot? Do you believe in God? Bring up the next slide, please. Thank you. You see, God told him, I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. And once again, God was demonstrating his power in a very unusual way. You know God's pretty creative. Have you seen that? Have you ever wondered, when you look at faces, you have a unique face. It's only like one, two, three, four basic things, maybe ears, five, on a little round thing about that big, and there's seven and a half billion of us. Isn't it amazing? Now, there's some people that say look like you. They say we have a few people that look like us, but you can tell, Right? Oh, you look like this star, that person. Sometimes that's a legend in someone's own mind. You may have some, some, yeah, you have hair and two legs, what, whatever. But God is very creative. And he does some things in some usual ways because God wants to get our attention. We miss the ways God works every day in the usual things. And we can become, we take things for granted so many times. Just getting up in the comfort of a place makes us take it for granted. It's part of it. But God can do some really unusual things, right? And demonstrate his power in an unusual way. Have you ever noticed how he does that? It's pretty crazy, isn't it? There's lots of things he can do. See, obedience 
rises above questioning, doesn't it? Obedience rises above questioning. Questioning causes us to be paralyzed. We can look, we get caught in the paralysis of analysis. Why this, why that? Sometimes God just saying, yes. As a believer, you may have a tough time, but I'm interested, way more interested in building eternal beings than temporal beings with temporal standards. Everybody has that. I'm interested in you becoming interested in the things of eternity, interested in the people that I redeemed rather than yourself and saving your own life from your own embarrassment, your own alienation, your own issues. Seeing the enemy, the enemy is me, the enemy is us. Word of God is true. See, in 1 Kings 17, 10 through 12, the story continues. God tells him to go to the pagan land where the pagan king reigns, where the wife of his pagan king Ahab is from. And he goes there. I can just hear it. It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. But he's going to go there. And when he came to the town gate, the very town gate, Zarephath, a widow was gathering sticks. Hmm. Isn't that, you think it's a coincidence? Only God could put a person there at the exact time he's coming into again. Think about the timing of that. She's there gathering sticks, no doubt for a fire. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And that, notice, As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Not asking for a whole lot, is he? Bread and water. That's not the the biggest meal in the world. But we find out something as you look at this next response. She says, here's what, notice this. As surely as the Lord your God lives, stop. Do you remember what Ahab heard when Elijah goes to him in 1 Kings 17, 1? As the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, I'm his representative, there'll be no rain these years except by my word. How'd the woman get so close to that? You see, there'd been a drought See, there's no rain coming down. And surely from that meeting, when Ahab is so mad, no doubt, and Jezebel along with him, the word goes out, it's not raining because there is someone that claims there's a true and living God that stopped the rain. And word had already gotten up to the heathens. Listen carefully. You may think college student, those working out in the workplace, those in your neighborhood, wherever you are, that your testimony is in a vacuum, but it's not. Because word had gotten up to the most heathen place on the face of the earth. And this woman is going to do exactly what she's told because she said, that person that told Elijah, uh, that told Ahab that, his name is Elijah. And don't ever forget that you have a name also. Your name follows you and you're a child of God. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make, what? A meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Because the famine, as hard as it is to be a widow with a child, has ravaged everything. 
We're down to the last thing, the last meal. I'll cook this with these sticks. We'll pour the oil in that and make some bread out of that. And I'll hug my son as we starve to death. God was looking after that woman. Let me tell you something. The word had gone out and people in that land knew something miraculous had happened because somebody had the guts and courage to step forward. And that testimony that left that little isolated place in the palace went all over that land. And people even that weren't aware of Jehovah God are saying, as he lives, as your God lives, this is what's going on in my life. What a testimony. Bring up the next slide. As we look here, thank you. We can see this is where he was. There's Tishbe. That's where he's from. There's the Cherith Brook. He has to go all the way up here into Phoenicia, the land of unbelief and Baals and pagan gods. It's along this journey God's going to tell him some things. It's a long journey. Once again, it's a lot closer over here, but he sends them over to here. Don't question where God may be sending you. It may look bizarre. may look different. It may look like something like, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. Aren't there widows in Israel? Aren't there places closer by I can be? Isn't it more convenient? Isn't it, wouldn't it be easier to have Jehovah worship where we're supposed to have it? God says, I care for all people. And he does. Cares for them. What have you done to stand in the way of lostness, immorality? Do you believe in God? Well, you see, we're going to look at some things. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. So what does God do? As the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. Look for the unusual hand of God to act in unusual ways. God's unusual, have you noticed? He's different. He's creative. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. But what does God do? He leads Elijah to a Gentile woman a widow, a widow with a child, a poverty-stricken widow who is about to have her last meal. Now, if you and I were alive in that day, is this the profile you'd say? Let's send this great person of God to a really good place, right? There's surely got to be some fast food restaurant better than that in, in Zarephath, right? No. He sends him to the most unusual, bizarre place. It looks like a place of death, doesn't it? I'm going to eat my last meal and I'm going to die. But I want. It's crazy. I love this because it's just so in keeping with the nature of God. Friend, God can do crazy things we can't even think about. So here he is. She's got no food, but he sends her to go make him some bread. And remember, all she's got enough is for one more meal and get him some water. Next slide. Thank you. So what does God do in our lives to prepare us for times like this? Because it's at that point where Elijah hears that, he could be saying, wait a minute, I think I have the wrong widow. Where's the rich widow section, please? Right? Where's that section? I'm in the wrong place here. But what prepares us for those hard times in our life where it requires faith? I'll tell you where. Elijah didn't yield to the pressure of Ahab. He went through some tests in his life. He was able to face someone that could kill him. And also, he faced the improbabilities of Kareth and the ravens. He'd been through some tests in his life, and some of you are in those places right now, and God may be getting ready for you to march on to Zarephath to another place. I don't know. But he does prepare you and never knock those battles where you're struggling through some things, where God is helping build faith in your life. What have you done 
that stand in the way lately? Do you believe in God? The improbabilities of life can bless us. Now look at Luke 4, 25 and 26. I assure you, this is, by the way, two things before I read this. This is Jesus that's speaking, and Jesus affirms the Old Testament scriptures. He doesn't say, well, this really means, this is really a metaphor for something. He affirms the trueness of this story. Look at it. Jesus says, I assure you, there were many windows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. You notice Jesus talking about? You know how he knew it? Because he did it. That's how he knew. He said there were many. He's letting us know. I saw the other widows there, the ones with money, the ones with some food in the storehouse somewhere that could have fed them something. But I picked one, first of all, that had heard and believed. She knew why there was no rain. The word came out as the Lord your God lives. There is someone that can control that, and his name is God. And it says, I assure you there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. And there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. God can, listen, get, if you leave with nothing else, get this. God can place blessings in the most unlikely places. Can he? I found some on Miracle Mile in Miami, Florida. Coral Gables. Some people talked to me about Jesus. Wasn't much of a blessing to them that day because I wasn't very kind and good to them. But there were some people that talked to me about Jesus. Do you know there's some people out there today in restaurants, in your university, in your high school or middle school, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, that just need a touch from Jesus Christ through you, through me? God can do it in most unlikely places. But God wants a people that have their eyes open. Could this be something God's showing me and telling me? Next slide, please. He shows us some unusual things. In 1 Kings 17, 13 through 16, Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home, do as you have said. But first, a small cake of bread for me. First, a small cake of bread for me. Let me stop right there. Many people give like this. I'll spend money on my bills. I'll take care of everything else. Then if there's anything left, I'll give it to God. And up, there's not anything left. Next month, same thing. Repeat. First, make a small cake of bread for me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll say it here. I'm not embarrassed to say it. Give your first fruit to God. That money's going to get gone one day and it's worthless in eternity. It's paper. Use it now. When we put our resources together here, we're doing it to reach people for the best news in the world. If you can't give to a place that's doing that, where can you do it? And what excuse can there be not to do it? There is no excuse. God says, get it done. Work on it. If you're not there, work on a system to get it there. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as I've said. Make what? First, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Well, there's not going to be enough for me and my son. There's only enough for one meal, Elijah. No. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. When did he say that? Along that way, when you listen to God and you leave the dry brook, somewhere along that way, God contacts Elijah and said, I'm going to provide another crazy miracle for you. You thought those raven... uh, 
Caterers are crazy. I've got another crazy one. Wait till you see this one, right? He says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Those of you that have students in your house, does your milk jug ever run dry? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, parents, yes, of course. God's going to do some crazy thing there, isn't he? God did a crazy thing there. Look what happens. Bring up the next one. Thanks. As we go along, it says, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with what the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anyone in this room, anyone listening to the simulcast, have you ever seen a jug of oil or a jar of flour never run dry? Hmm? I haven't seen that. But I want to tell you something. If Elijah hadn't gone, he would have never seen it. Do you want to see the unlikely? You see, to see the unlikely, you have to do unlikely things. You have to follow the God of the universe. Oh, I want to see something like, I just want to pray down because it's easy. No, God says, go to a really hard place and I'll show you some really cool stuff. Let me also say, if that woman had not heard the testimony before, she might not have done it either. But she got to see something really cool. I imagine by the third or fourth day, she was having a ball. I'm going to make a little bit extra bread today. Look at it, it doesn't run dry. I don't know what happens, but every time I come back to it, it gets in there. And I know there's people trying to figure it out. Well, you know, they're really, uh, someone would come in at night or did. Listen, can you just believe that the God that can make a hummingbird wing flap so many times in one second can put some food in a jar? Are you serious? What kind of a mealy-mouthed God do you believe in if you don't believe God can make oil and flour keep reappearing? Because he spoke things out of, out of his very power into existence. They both would have missed something really cool. Have you ever wondered in your life? Have you ever thought, I may have missed something by not going or doing or by going in my own power and doing my own thing? I may have missed something. I may have jumped the gun. I may have let my feeling rather than the facts steer me. God is looking for people that believe him. No excuses, no nothing, just getting it done. Ladies and gentlemen, as surely as the Lord your God lives, remember your testimony is not in a vacuum. It goes on out whether you're a true believer or not. It goes out to whether you're living on the edge or you're just living or existing. It's not in a vacuum. And Phoenicia was the last place that Elijah would have expected to find a worshiper of the Lord, the living God. I'm sending you to a godless place. Some of you are in the midst of university right here in our town. It's a godless place. That's judgmental, Pastor. No, it's not as judgment. I already know. I already know. I look at the surveys, see what percent of people believe. Same thing in high schools, middle schools. A whole generation coming up in a place where God as creator has been thrown out, where the word of God has been discounted into just another book, and even less than that, a book of lies. And Jesus Christ is not the only way. 
Who's going to stand up? Have you stood in the way of lostness, sinfulness lately? Do you believe in God? The Word of God wants us to go out in a powerful way, to be out there in a place where we can see God work and do wonderful things, but we have to step out there and believe. See, the place where God calls us is the place where God works. During World War II, there was a blitz going on in England. I'll show you something before I show you the talk about this. This is just, I don't have many track trophies. I have some. This one I happen to like because track is a very interesting event. There's lots of individual events. One being the long jump, and I did some long jumping. It's fun. If you're not good at it, you can just jump in the sand. It's fun. Everything there's God do, you can just go flying. The long jump, and this is a track trip. It's from 1948. 1948. Sounds older, doesn't it? 1948. Guy running on there. Great sport. Wonderful sport. But jumping is important, isn't it? Jump, you have to jump through some places, and God wanted Elijah to jump to a new place. But during that blitz in the 1940s, Hitler was dropping all these V-bombs, these V-rockets on England before the days of GPS. They'd hit indiscriminately. They'd hit hospitals, school. They hit all kinds of crazy places. He didn't care. They were just bombing them, trying to bomb them into submission. And Donner Atwood was writing in one of the books he had written and telling the story that this man recalled about that time when he was with his son. And I believe it was in a public building. I think I'm remembering correctly. It's not important where the building was. But he's in a building and gets hit. He runs out, he grabs his son, he runs out, and the first thing in the middle of this night, it's pitch black, and there's smoke everywhere. He can barely see, but he's able to see that there's where a bomb has dropped and put a big, kind of a big hole in the ground, a big crater. He lets go of his son and he jumps in to try and find some shelter. Jumps into that thing and he calls to his son. He yells to him, Jump! The son's terrified. He calls out. He tells him, Dad, I can't see. I don't see you. He's panicking. Father's looking up at the sky and with the fire on all the surrounding buildings and that red tint in the sky, he can make out the silhouette of his son. And he says to him, I can see you jump. And the son jumps. I asked you during this message if you believe in God. But you see, it was a little bit of a trick. You probably thought that, didn't you? What's he doing with that? Of course we believe in God. You know, the book of James says the devils believe in God and they tremble. You see, it wasn't enough that this young man believed in his dad. There's lots of people that believe in fatherhood and believe in dads. The difference between those who believe in God, and the next thing I'm about to say, is massive. Do you believe in God or you believe God? See what Elijah did? He believed God. That's the difference. There's a lot of believe in God people. 
but people who believe God look at his word, they drop the excuses, and no matter what the cost, they believe God. And that's why I put the question before, what have you done lately to stand in the way of dot, dot, dot? There's a jump you have to make to do that. It's not for the mediocre believer. It's not for the apathetic. It's not for those who just want to play church. It's for those who believe God. And those that want to step out and say, God, I'm willing to go on a new path. I'm willing to lose my life for you. I'm willing to make that jump. And if I fail, God, for the first time in my life, I want to be comfortable that I can just say, I'm going to fail with you and for you. If that's what I have to do, period. I'll lose my life to ridicule. I'll use it to lose it, whatever it is. But God, I'm going to live for you. I'm not going to play a game with it. Today, as pastors come forward, there's a question that's gone out. And see, only you can answer it. Because you can look at your journal right now. And you can know when was the last time you stood in the way of to be a witness, to be a light, to speak truth. Pastor, mind your own business. Right? I can't. God told me to call and preach the truth. And I must need it more than everybody. I had to prepare it and preach it twice. It's tough, isn't it? It's hard. Jesus said it would be. There are going to be times that it's not comfortable to speak the truth or act out the truth. So I'm saying to you today, do you believe in God or do you believe God? And if you believe God and what he says about eternity, maybe just this week, there's someone you could pray about and say, God, I, I haven't given my card out yet. I want to find someone, God. Would you lead me to someone, maybe broken down by the road, maybe in a restaurant, maybe in a meeting in some line somewhere, maybe even my neighbor, and just use a be of guest card. Maybe you have a gospel track. Maybe you don't need a card at all. Maybe just a door opens up to be a witness. But that's what I'm asking you today. I'm asking you to go beyond just believing in God to believing God. He says, be a light. Am I a light? He says, be salt. Am I salt? He says, be a witness. Am I a witness? He's saying, trust me. Lose your life for me. Put the ridicule and all the other things behind you. I was ridiculed for you. I was slandered for you. Would you live for me? Would you get be alienated if I say to be alienated from wherever at work, ostracized? Oh, it's tough. I know it. That's what God's asking. And when you do, maybe you will see some jars that don't run out of stuff in some other way. And maybe it'll be in one of those really unusual places that right now you just doubt. How could that happen? God can do it. God has so many people that believe in him but don't believe him. Today's your day to maybe make this altar your own personal prayer altar. Say, God, I'm bringing this to you today. I'm bringing it right up here. Or you can pray with one of our deacons or pastors. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to come today if you've invited Christ into your life. We'd love for you to come as a candidate for membership. And friend, listen, I'm talking about Jesus today because he's the only way to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come unto the Father except through him. He loved you, friend. He took your sins to the cross. He bled and died. He's the only one that did it. Paid our way to heaven because it's his heaven. The same one that called that story up about the widow of Zarephath that shut the heavens, the same one that died on the cross for your sins, rose three days later and offers eternal life as a gift. But you must receive it on his terms. 
believe in what he has done, accept the gift of eternal life, then serve him out of thankfulness and obedience, not to be saved, but because you are saved. Stand and don't wait. He's already spoken to your heart. Don't wait. Listen to God. Believe God. Listen. Pray with someone or pray alone today. Please respond. I was in chains. 